Alright, well, good morning and welcome to our continuing study in the book of Luke, chapter 3. And today we'll be looking at the close of the chapter, verse 23 through 39. And <clears throat> mostly this this has to do with this ge- genealogy of, of Christ that's written here. It's fairly lengthy and there's about 75 names that are uh, given here. And we we look at them and their names that are they're intrinsic to the character and, and nature of of Christ. And we're not going to look at all of them today. We're going to look at uh, six of them out of the seventy five that are there. And <clears throat> throughout the studies that we've been involved here in Luke and other books that we, we've always tried to make strong the connection with the Old Testament gospel. And they are, in fact, the, just the same as Christ is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, as it says in Hebrews. And before Abraham was, I am, from John 8.58. The, the closing chapter of Luke's gospel here, if we skip forward to chapter 24, uh, when Jesus is talking uh, to those two on that road to Emmaus, and and he said to them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so it is with the verses that we have before us in the close of chapter 3. And we have two things that we're going to look at here, at verse uh, 23 through 38. One is, it gives us the age of Christ brought to our attention, and two, uh, the, the the genealogy of our Lord as recorded by Luke, and which record was given him by the Holy Spirit and by the Jews. And they were <clears throat> very strict in recording these matters in their journals, being sons of Abraham. They're very proud of their lineage and their heritage, and... and um, being sons of Abraham, as it were, and by their standards and by way of their being <clears throat> a holy record and keepers by the determinate counsel and direction of God Almighty, these very names that we're going <clears> to <throat> look at a few of. So, <clears throat> starting in verse 23, it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being... And in its uh, in parentheses here, it says, As was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Janan, which was the son of Joseph. And uh, I'm not going to read all of those uh, names. <clears throat> We're going to kind of skip through here in a bit and look at, at six of them out of the 75. Uh, I, I always kind of feel like... Uh, our pastor, when he said, when I when I first looked at the the book of Leviticus, it was just tedious reading. And but he's when you start looking for Christ in it, it comes alive and it's full of the gospel. And 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 that's kind of the way these these uh, genealogies are. Why are they there? Why did God put them there? And He put them there for a purpose that we would know certain things and that would reveal certain things to us about. Christ and and His fulfilling everything that we could not fulfill for ourselves, and, and so regarding His age, it says, "And Jesus Himself began to be about thirty years of age." And uh, and then in this parenthetical uh, phrase here, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, and in modern English, this as was supposed. Uh, maybe gives us a little bit of an incorrect view of of what was trying to be gotten across here <clears throat> in the the days that it was written as was supposed the son of Joseph which was the son of Heli <clears throat> as was supposed here and if we looked that up in uh, in today's dictionary it would give us uh a rendition of uh, to assume something is true or to consider a possibility. I suppose that could be true, uh, kind of like that. <clears throat> but the the actual Greek words from which that is taken is is two words, 
as is one word, and then was supposed is another Greek term. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> as is rendered as which, how, or that is, or according, or as it were. It's really, a, it means a statement of a fact, is what it's saying there. As, and was supposed is, when you look that up, it says to properly to do by law. So it, it means, <clears throat> uh, more correctly, uh, if we might read that, as which birth and parentage was recorded according to law and custom. Because this is a genealogy, understand, is not trying to uh, cast aspersions as to who is really the, the parent of Jesus. <clears throat> and even though the Jews later on said, well, we be not born of fornication. <laughs> because, And if you'll recall back to the beginning when when Mary was found with child and and, and Joseph wanted to put her away privily, and the, the the Lord said, "No, no, this was from the Holy Spirit, and and unto you is going to be born a, a savior." <clears throat> so it it kind of gets you off on the wrong foot, as was supposed the son of Joseph. Well, Joseph <clears throat> was his really his stepfather, <clears throat> and in uh, in this verse 23 said that Joseph was the son of Heli and in Matthew chapter 1 it said Jacob begat Joseph the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ so in, in the two different gospels you have the Jacob as being listed as the father of Joseph and in Luke here it's Heli well Heli was the father of Mary and the Jews would not, uh, generally in their recording of genealogies, didn't list the, the mother or the woman's name in the genealogy. And <clears throat> so as their custom was not to record that wife's name. And so in, in Luke we have the name of Heli listed, which is really the father-in-law of Joseph, and it wouldn't have been the custom to record the, the name of Mary. <clears throat> but <clears throat> in the Holy Spirit's, giving us this lineage, both of these families intersect at David. Both David's, or both uh, Joseph's family, can, we can trace it right through uh, to uh, David in, in, in Matthew's genealogy, and we can t trace this one right back to, to David, and they intersect there. And they and they have a couple. They kind of split up at, in the sons of David. One being through Nathan, and one being uh, through Solomon. And uh, and the Matthew genealogy ends uh, ceases back at uh, Abraham, while Luke's goes all the way back to Adam. And that's significant because it reveals two things. It reveals the the relationship to the covenant. Abraham is listed in this one as well, <clears throat> but that. Uh, the the focus of Matthew was it ended at Abraham and and this one goes all the way back to Adam the seed of the woman. That's why it's this way. So, uh, so we have this this Jesus being about thirty years of age. Uh, that was the age according to law that a that a priest was assigned duty in in numbers uh, chapter 4 verse 1 and the lord spake unto moses and unto aaron saying take the sum of the sons of kohath from among the sons of levi after their families by the house of their fathers from 30 years old and upward even unto 50 all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation so christ was not a priest after the order of levi but he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, but the typology is there, and the Levites were types of Christ, not the other way around. And uh, <clears throat> so he was he was of the tribe of Judah, not not the tribe of Levi, but he is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was long before uh, the 
the Levitical priesthood there. So, <clears throat> so as as noted in our our message series, the fabric of grace, and in particular, the lesson about Joseph and the coat of many colors. We noted that Joseph was a type of Christ in that series that we talked about him, and and, and we learned that in Genesis chapter forty one that. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And it's kind of a picture of him, uh, the beginning of Christ's ministry. He's 30 years old, makes his appearance, baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes down on him. There's a voice from heaven that said, this is, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, so uh, this typology that we find there in Genesis uh, chapter 41. And from Daniel, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed the precise time when the Messiah would appear and when he would be cut off, but not for himself. Daniel chapter 9 verse uh, 25, 26, from, from, from the going forth of the commandment to, to restore and build Jerusalem. Uh, and he gives that time, that timeline there. And uh, side note to folks to tune in to the Ezra series by our pastor Norm Wells, where it, it, it's written, the walls and the streets shall be built even in troublous times here in Daniel 9:25. Ezra, Ezra, <coughs> In his lesson, Norm uh, tells about how the obstacles and the things that the people that were in opposition <clears throat> to the to the the building of the temple and the walls, and they tried to stop it. And but we found nothing can stop or interfere successfully with God bringing home His church, even even though there's always opposition and and troublous times, as Daniel said in, in nine uh, twenty five and. And as per the correct timing, according to God Almighty in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, says, when the fullness of time was come, when God's appointed time, when that time came, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And we've just read those scriptures that, where he fulfilled all these aspects of, of the law that came, that came up. And so the law was, was satisfied. And it had to be satisfied. Now, as we go on, we're going to look at some of these names. <clears throat> as, be, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Matat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi. <clears throat> so, all <clears throat> uh, these interesting names and what they mean. I didn't look all of them up, but... Uh, I just uh, spent time on six of them, but I suppose there's a there's a story behind every single name there, and it and it reveals every name there is is because the Lord God determined it. All these names represent people that God had set in order to accomplish His purpose, and this specifically to bring about His beloved Son in taking on Himself the form and likeness of a man, that He might die to save a people from their sins, all, all aspects of the beloved Son, who He is and what He accomplished and that were pleasing to the Father. And a few of these names we're going to look at given in the lineage of Christ call our attention to the things concerning Himself in all the scriptures as we read in Luke chapter 24. All directing our attention to Emmanuel, God with us, taking on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men, from Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. So it's interesting. I, I always find it interesting to look at these names, and they had a, they had a meaning. They had, they had a purpose according to God. And we're going to, again, look at six names out of about 75 generations here. Uh, the son of Heli, and we, we mentioned earlier that Matthew's account records the father of Joseph as Jacob. Matthew 1, and the custom of the Jews not to list the name of the mother in the genealogy. And the consensus then is that Matthew gives the lineage of Christ through Joseph, the stepfather, and Luke gives us the lineage through Mary, 
which by custom was listed under her husband Joseph and her father Heli. And it's noteworthy that, that both lineages intersect at David by different sons. Nathan on one and Solomon on the other. In, in Luke chapter 3 verse 31, it says, Which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, that's in the Old Testament, that's Boaz, <clears throat> which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Naasson. <clears throat> and in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, his Gentile wife, interesting there, a Moabite wife in this lineage. <clears throat> and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. So, so he has these sons by different mothers, David did. And one lineage goes through to Joseph and one lineage goes through to Mary. And they both intersect here. And, and, and it's important because it was stated in the law and the prophets that that would happen. In, in Matthew one one says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's often referred to as the son of David. Uh, in Acts uh, chapter two, verse twenty-nine, men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet. And knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. And if we could turn back to Second Samuel chapter 7, we can read that. Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. And... And so the, the, this prophecy that it came to the Lord speaking to David and promising him his thr a throne forever. And, and David, his reply is sort of typical of what we find. Uh, he said, who am I, O Lord? Who am I to deserve these things? Who am I? What is my house? Why me? Why? And... It's because of the sovereignty of God and just because God purposed it to be so and and for just because it pleased God to do so and for no other reason. And then he, he replies on through the end of the chapter that he's he's just marvels at the fact that God would do this and he doesn't quite understand it, but he... He says, "If the Lord has spoken it, let the let let thy servant be blessed forever." And that's the way we we have to look at our salvation. And we say, "Why me, Lord?" And 
and it's because because he's loved us from eternity <clears throat> and, and then we move on down to acts chapter uh, 13 and in verse 16 paul's preaching and and he's preaching to these jewish men and he, and he says ye man of israel and he kind of gives the history of things back in the old testament and and he gets to this part about david and he said after after Israel desired a king, God gave them Saul of the tribe of Benjamin. And then in verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. It's, you know, we think about David and, and, and some of the things he did, and, and yet God looks at him through Christ and says, he's, he's a man after my own heart. And it's kind of hard for us to, to grasp that, but that's the basis of all of our righteousness, is imputed righteousness through Christ. The man after my own heart. <clears throat> in Romans, again, Paul's writing in Romans chapter 1, and he, he tells a little bit about himself. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and separated unto the gospel of God, which he had af- promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, about his gospel of his son, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, <clears throat> which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. And so he, he brings out this, this direct line back to David in, in two of these messages that he presents about the gospel in the Old Testament and how Christ would come through the seed of David and in the, in the city of David at the time appointed by God, at the fullness of time. Uh, <clears throat> all these, uh, there's entire books written about just this one name and this one aspect, and I'm just kind of highlighting a few verses to kind of bring them into focus for today's lesson. So uh, by no means is it an exhaustive uh, search of, of of everything, but couple more verses regarding this in 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And again, that's uh, Paul writing to Timothy. Revelation 22.16. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. That's the very words of the Lord himself. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And then back a few pages to Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, and it records this, One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So there's two names recorded for him, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. And from that, we're going to segue into verse 30 back in Luke chapter 3. The son of Judah. Verse 30. Which was the son of Simeon, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joseph. Which was the son of... Jonan, which was the son of Eliakim, which was the son of Melia, which was the son, uh, and on it goes. And uh, and then, uh, in Anyway, these two names, Joseph and and 
Judah. Uh, <clears throat> Joseph, remember in earlier we mentioned that he was a, a type of Christ and, and Judah, we just read from Revelation that uh, he was a lion of the tribe of Judah. In Genesis 49.9, uh, when Joseph was uh, blessing the the sons, uh, he said, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched his lion as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? So all these, all these names that are descriptions and typology that we find in the Old Testament regarding Christ. And another name that we'll look at found in, in back in, in, couple of verses before in Luke 3:28 actually this verse is found in verse 20 this name found in verse 24 and 28 and it's a common name uh, that we find a lot in the Old Testament Melchi and uh, Luke 3:28 which was the son of Melchi which was the son of, of Adi which was the son of Kosam which was the son of Elmodam, which was the son of Ur. And, and again, there are two Melchites listed in this genealogy, one in verse 24 and this one in 28. And uh, <clears throat> Now, what's interesting about this, the Greek rendering of this Hebrew name is Melchi. And in the Hebrew, it's it's Melech is the way it's, you know how we find the different renderings from the Hebrew to the Greek, like uh, Elijah's Elias and uh, so forth. Well, <clears throat> Melech in the Old Testament is Melchi in in uh, in the New Testament, and and a lot of times when we read these names, we pronounce them a little bit differently than this. And we'll look at that in a minute. But but it's interesting that this word Mel Melchi is in the English is translated as my king. Twice it's getting here. My king, in the genealogy here, it's listed, my king twice. <clears throat> and you might remember from our message sometime back in, that was uh, entitled Melchizedek, uh, King of Righteousness. And uh, actually that name is, is a two, it's a compound word name. Uh, Melchizedek is the way it's, probably more correctly pronounced and it's it was in from Hebrews it says being in in understood as king of righteousness king is king of peace <clears throat> and uh, in again in the Hebrew that is as Melech and uh, the king of right and in uh, Genesis 14 8 uh, Melchi, Melchi, Zedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And and uh, our pastor brought a little bit of that out, that Abraham paid tithes to him because he was the the one that deserved it. And, and, and he willingly brought him tithes. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, it says, For this Melchi, Zedek, King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being by interpretation king of righteousness. And that's what Melchi means, king, and Zedek is the righteousness part. And after that also, king of Salem, that's what it said in verse 1, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, King of Righteousness, King of Salem, which is King of Peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, and abideth a priest continually. And so it, twice in Luke we're reminded that Jesus Christ our Lord is my King to all the redeemed. When we see that name, uh, we should we should know that. But we don't right off the top because it's it's in a different language and it was translated differently. But that's what it means, my king. And, and to the redeemed, he is. And uh, to the others, uh, no. Uh, 
uh, in Luke 19, uh, someday we'll get to Luke 19, 14, the citizens, where it says, the citizens hated Jesus. And they sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. He will not be our king. Well, someday he'll be their king and they will bow, every knee will bow to him. But they won't do it out of love. And this name, it's interesting. This is a very interesting name in the Old Testament. And and we we find it a lot. And I just had a one example here that I wanted to use because it's also in our genealogy here. And uh, this name also found as part of names of other key persons in this sovereignly decreed lineage that includes the Gentiles. Because remember we mentioned that Boaz begat his son out of Ruth, it said. Well, in Ruth chapter 2, and we went through this study here not long ago in another lesson. In Ruth chapter 2, after Naomi, her husband, died and the the sons of her daughters, her sons died, and and she and and Ruth ended up going back to her old home. And she, in Ruth chapter two verse one, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family, and we always say Elimelech, but it's actually Eli Melech. God King. <clears throat> Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Eli Melech, and his name was Boaz. And so we come to the son of Boaz in verse 34. And, or verse 32, rather, excuse me. <clears throat> David, again, in verse 31, which was the son of, of, of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Solomon. Imagine that, that David said, well, my grandma was a Moabitess, <laughs> a Gentile. And I imagine as these, none of these people, I think David David and a few of them knew what role they were playing because God had spoken to them directly and told them, like David, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise up a king and, and his, his throne is going to be forever out of, out of Europe. And, but a lot of these names, you just wonder what, if they knew what part they were going to play. You know, who knows what part, you know, we have relatives back in the ages that we don't even know their name. We don't have this record like is given us here of, of all the things that God has brought about to accomplish bringing His, His redeemed into this world and then intersecting them with the gospel of His Son. Uh, so it's, it's pretty amazing. <clears throat> And so now we pause on verse 34, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Terah, which was the son of Nacor. So the Abraham is the name that we're going to look at now because it's probably the most well-known. Uh, Genesis 17, 1 says, When Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And so we see this, this 
connection with Abraham meeting the Lord himself and being spoken to. And in John chapter 8, verse 56, uh, Jews uh, are kind of accosting the Lord and and they're having this de- debate about being sons of Abraham. And, and Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. And in a couple of verses later in verse 58, and he says, Before Abraham was, I am. I am the eternal. That Abraham saw me, Abraham knew me. Abraham saw my day, saw what I would do. And he rejoiced in it. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 6, Paul records for us here by the Holy Spirit, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And and we know that that in Ephesians 1.19 that we, we don't even believe according to our own being able to muster it up. We believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So back before the law, back before anything with Moses, he'd he'd met with Abraham, pulled him out of a heathen nation, spoke to him, and told him what would happen, and Abraham uh, believed. Now, we, we can't hardly go without looking over to Hebrews, chapter 11. Remembering that Paul said, you know, not they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, but those that are of the promise are counted for the seed. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, in verse 8 through 19, has to do with Abraham. And there are several things in there that, that are recorded that are from the Old Testament that draw our attention to the, the, the types and shadows that that the Lord was presenting and that he used Abraham uh, to do. So, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, by total reliance on Christ for salvation, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. That's always scary to go someplace where you've never been. I'm not always comfortable going someplace where I've never been because I don't know the way. <laughs> I like it. If I've been there once already, then I'm comfortable going there again. And it's not scary or anything. It's But to, to go by faith, just because God says, okay, I want you to leave here and go to there. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles or tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even one even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. All these, the seed of Abraham. Therefore, there uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. Abraham saw my day, and was and rejoiced in it, and was glad. Uh, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They had a different view of being here. Sometimes we get so tied into the world and we think, well, this is all there is and this is why we're here. And and, and Abraham and all those said, well, we're just passing through. Uh, they say that 
Such things are plain, declare plainly that they seek a country, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. What a picture of God the Father and just giving a little glimpse into, can you imagine the agony that Abraham must have felt when when he knew that he was going to have to offer up his the son that he'd waited for, that had been promised to him. By faith, though he he did, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. What a picture of of God the Father uh, offering up his begotten Son. His this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, <clears throat> and knowing that. He would be able to raise him up and raise him from the dead. Uh, A key part of the gospel, the resurrection. And so now we come to, back in chapter 3, verse 37, which was the son of Methuselah, the oldest man, the one that lived the longest, which was the son of Enoch which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Melaleel, which was the son of Canaan. Now, Enoch is pretty famous, and he's, he's called the seventh from Adam in his generation. And since they lived a long time, it's very likely that they were acquainted. <laughs> and and we, the Old Testament doesn't really say very many things about him that we have record of here, but apparently the those that wrote the New Testament had more information. In in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. In verse 22, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So he didn't live a really long time, comparatively speaking, with the others of that era. <clears throat> but the book of Hebrews gives us a little more insight. In Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, again, the total reliance on Christ for salvation. And that's the only way that Enoch walked with God and was was with God. Total reliance on Christ for salvation. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this this testimony that he pleased God because this is my beloved son. In thee I am well pleased. And seeing he sees all the church through his son in whom he's well pleased, Enoch was able to have this testimony that he pleased God by having faith in the total reliance on Christ for salvation. That pleases God. When we, when we cast aside all of our, our other things that we, we use that, that we would rely on for our relationship with God and, and cast all those aside and put total reliance on Christ and Him alone, Jude tells us, this is interesting here in Jude chapter 1, Jude tells us Enoch was a mighty preacher of the gospel of grace. Which, you know, we always think of him that he was translated. And translated means when you translate something, you change it from one thing to another. Like we, like the language we translate. This, this is translated from Greek to English. It's from one thing to another. Uh, we have translators that translate that change radio frequencies coming from Portland. They get to a translator here and they're, and they're changed to another frequency and then rebroadcast over the, 
the valley here. So in Jude chapter 1, Jude is, he writes in, in this epistle that he writes, and he's warning about all these people that they're against God, they're against Christ. And he's warning the church there in verse four. He says, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he calls them raging seas and all kinds of things that they're just awful. And then... You come down to verse 14, and he says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so Enoch, preached the doctrine of grace, the gospel of grace, the total reliance on Christ for salvation. <clears throat> and then finally, the last name that we're going to look at is Adam, which was the son of Enos, verse 38, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So we have to go to Genesis to see to the fall to see the need for the one who would come and deliver us from the bondage of sin. Genesis 2.16 and, and the Lord commanded the man saying, put him in that garden. He said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. And the only one commandment he had, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And we know the, the rest of this report here that <clears throat> the serpent beguiled the, the woman and, and when she saw that the tree in verse 6 when she, of chapter 3 of Genesis, when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise, isn't that the, all the, the fake offerings of sin? It always promises something on the surface, but it's, it never works out that way. It looks good on the outside, but inside it's awful. <clears throat> she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now it tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, if Adam was first formed, then Eve, and then regarding this, what we just read in Genesis, and Adam was not deceived. He sinned willingly. He knew that God had said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, except this tree thou shalt not eat of it. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And when she ate, nothing nothing happened. But when he ate, spiritual death came upon him. And and they looked at themselves and they said, we're naked. We, we lost our covering. <clears throat> and then as a result, in Genesis 3.15, the Lord speaking to them says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And then we find in verse 21 of chapter 3 that, Unto Adam and also and unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. Took care of the problem that, that they had created. <clears throat> and that's what we find being uh, the, the son, uh, Cain versus Abel. And we find Enoch versus the multitude uh, that deny all that and... Uh, <clears throat> And so on it goes all the way down to to verse 23 where we find <clears throat> Jesus as was supposed the son of Joseph. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so 
this this lineage being traced all the way back to Adam. It's recorded in Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death, spiritual death, reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. That's why it's significant that we have Adam here in this genealogy. He was the figure of him that was to come. For as in Adam, 1 Corinthians 5.22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every, He said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And in John 17, he, he said, Thou hast given power to give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. <clears throat> made alive. In 1 Corinthians 15.45, And so it is written, The first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. By one came death, by one came life. And that, friends, is why we have all these names, all these 75 names here written for us in Luke for us to ponder and consider. And when we look at them, it, it changes from being just a tedium in reading a bunch of names, beget so-and-so, beget so-and-so, beget so-and-so, to finding out he's my king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah who's able to open the seals. He is the messenger of the covenant of grace that it was with Abraham from before the foundation of the world. So all these names have a significance. <clears throat> I'm sure if we looked up every single name and looked at the true meaning of them that we would find a lot more. But the time that we have allotted to us today, this is uh, the ones we're going to cover, these six. And so as always, my friends, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So be free. <laughs>